Oscarine here with another Afropop close-up. The San Francisco Bay Area is a unique cultural space that has given birth to some of the most iconic countercultural American music. And today, we hear how two Bay Area artists, Meklit Hadero and Zena Carlota, use their music to explore what it means to live on two sides of a hyphen. African-American, Ethiopian-American, female musician, just to name a few. This episode, Afro-Symphonic Folk, is hosted by producer Lisa Bartfai. Zaina Carlotta leads me barefoot, her loose jeans rolled up, across the driveway in the garden, to a bench she's dragged over to the far edge of the lot. Sitting there, I'm surprised to see a little creek running through the greenery. It is an urban creek. Uh, we are in Fruitvale um, in East Oakland, and my dad grew up not too far from here, so I spent a lot of time in this part of the world um, when I was younger. So, yeah, it's kind of like this little magical slice of heaven in the middle of the city. Magic is a big thing in Carlota's life and music. The closest thing she's come to express her experience of magic is through the kora. It's a West African harp instrument with 21 strings. It's made out of a calabash cut open and covered with a cowhide. And it sounds divine. Origin of Kora music, um, it's said that it wasn't originally played by humans, it was played by the jinn, which are um, kind of like some of the spirits from from Islam. So it's not a it's it's not a, a man-made instrument. This otherworldly, angelic quality of the instrument suits Carlota perfectly. And I think that that's really kind of the impetus between all of the work that I've been making like over the past few years is to kind of through sound, through visual art, um, through imagery to be able to transport people and take them kind of out of the, the everyday pedestrian experience um, and allow them to experience dream life, um, allow them to experience magic. She spent years looking for a way to express that dreamlike state. She tried the ukulele and guitar. She looked for it in visual art and theater. But the kora is different. And I remember the first time I heard it and I was totally floored and I had never heard anything like it. Carlota was working at a record store in L.A. at the time. And like most record store nerds, she listened to all kinds of music, but hadn't heard anything like this before. That was a time when, you know, you still had CDs and CDs had sleeves. So, like, I looked up what instrumentation was on this on the album and Cora was the only one I didn't recognize. And I started doing some research. and I was like, oh, it's a harp and it's from West Africa. And I said to myself, I'm going to play that someday, one day. One day, not too long after that, she did. Carlota found a master Cora player in L.A. and began studying with him. He sent her to Gambia to learn more. Gambia was like a profoundly humbling experience. <laughs> Carlota is careful and deliberate when she talks about her time there. It's clear that it was an experience that gave her a lot to think about when it comes to her music and her identity. Even though I'm of West African ancestry, like that I'm also an American going there and I have 
a million layers of like ideas and like and things that kind of influence my experience there. Finding her place as an American woman in the male-dominated core music community was a little bit challenging, but Carlota found a champion on the inside. Cora master Tumani Jabate. So for me, I mean, when somebody like Tumani is giving me the green light and saying, you know, like, yeah, like, go ahead, pursue this, you should do this. Like, there's not really many people that I'd, I'd be willing to, like, you know, to, um, to, like, take their discouragement into consideration. It's in the U.S. that Carlota sometimes feel like her space as an African-American female musician is restricted. It's kind of like the question where, or like when people ask me, like if I make black art, and I'm like, I consider any art form to kind of be like this living organism. And for me, like my ancestry and my traditions are kind of like the psychic bloodline that like pump through it, but it's not the organism itself. Carlota raises narrow definitions of what her music should be about. I think as much as I can speak to kind of like the story of like what it means to feel a sense of placelessness like in this country, equally important is for me to speak through music, just through my art, through myself and being in the world, like the places where I feel embodied and whole. That's the truer story, like that, that's the whole story. We leave the bench by the creek to go inside. The house that she shares with two friends is pretty empty. Bare white walls, hardwood floors, they just moved in. After a lifetime of moving around, Carlota's found her musical home in the Bay Area. My music community probably comes more so out of uh, the relationships I built in San Francisco. It's such a diversity of like, and plethora of different communities, people come from so many different places. I have friends from Mexico, from Spain, from, you know, from Cuba, from Haiti, from Italy, from Turkey, from France. Like, we have friends from Kenya, from Zimbabwe, like, from India, because they're all tapping into their own influences and also their own kind of cultural traditions and music. Everybody's music is just like, these kind of like really amazing blends that you would never think to cross-pollinate. The Red Poppy Art House is one of the places where musicians in the Bay Area gather. It's a little room on a corner in the Mission District of San Francisco, where you can hear live music from all over the world at least three or four times a week. Carlotta is the executive artistic director at the Red Poppy. Being at the center of such a vibrant artistic community has changed her own creative process. You know, how do you bring Balkan music and like music from India together? Like, you know, how do you combine flamenco music and Ethiopian music? Like, how do you combine, you know, like uh, Orisha music from Nigeria with hip hop? Like, those are all things that are happening and feel very fluid. And so it, for me, it just opened up the realm of possibility, which was like, oh, okay, I'm going to bring together like West African string music and, and ukulele with um, classical chamber music. Totally. That's not crazy. Like, that's completely makes sense.
Maklit Hadero is also part of the group of musicians and friends connected with the Red Poppy. And like Carlota, she thinks that the playful and collaborative vibe between musicians has created its own hybridized sound. I like to say that I was born in Ethiopia and I was raised in Brooklyn, but the Bay Area raised me as an artist. That is 100%, 100% true. I feel like I'm the artist that I am because of this place. It's not just a red poppy. It's the whole Bay Area that influences Hadero. I think there's a history here of music and cultural movement that's deeply socially relevant. Movements like the Black Panther Party had their start here. So did musicians like Sly and the Family Stone and Sheila E. Their legacy is present in every part of Hadero's music and life. We're sitting at a long dining table in her house, and Hadero is on her computer, trying to find the song that set her off on her path as a musician, long before she'd even heard of the Bay Area. Human nature. Okay. Okay, first of all, I was obsessed with Michael Jackson as a kid. So our life back then was, or was always juxtaposed between like that record, because we didn't have a lot of records, you know, but we had just a few. And then in the car, my parents would play tapes of Ethiopian music. juxtaposition between her idol Michael Jackson and her parents' favorite, Astor Aweke, is what makes Hadera's music so special. Why couldn't Prince and Mahmoud Ahmed take up uh, a sonic history inside of a single heart? You know, they do. And it's not just me. It's, it's a whole generation of people who are born of this multiplicity. from Ethiopia as a little girl. The family struggled for a long time to find their place in this new country that Hadero now calls home, or at least one of her homes. And I think this music right now is telling a story of 
presence. I wanted to carve out cultural space for music that is actually ultimately deeply, deeply American music. You know, this is immigrant music, but it's also American music. Like many Americans of color, Hadera was often asked, where do you come from? A question she blows right open. I can answer from the level of my culture. I can answer from the level of my ancestors. I can answer from the level of my species on this earth. I came from this earth, human animal. I came from this earth, you know? Or you can answer from the level of the stars. The stars made every molecule and atom and fiber of my being. They were all born from the belly of a burning star. So where do I come from? I come from all of it. Music is both broad and deep in the way that Hadera thinks about identity and belonging. She now considers herself to be a member of the family of traveling musicians everywhere. But it has also strengthened her relationship to Ethiopia. Encouraging messages from Ethiopians all over the world started pouring in after her first album. And she won the hearts of even more people in Ethiopia after her 2015 Chemichem video. Kemakem is a traditional Ethiopian song that it's got great lyrics, you know, Oh, you with the perfect afro, you who shares the river with me. You live at the top of the hill, I live at the bottom of the hill. Just roll on down and meet me there. The song and video became a success on Ethiopian TV and radio. When I went there last year, it was on like five times a day. I couldn't walk down the street without people singing to me. Come, 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 come. And I was like, oh my God. The song about love for the person with the perfect afro, like Hadera's own, struck a chord. I chose to cover that song because I thought, this is something that anybody from the continent or the African diaspora can identify with. Let's love ourselves in public and let's have everybody dance to it. Hadera's music is definitely danceable and energetic, and there's a deeper reason for that. I really wanted to have this idea that if you can dance to the music, then your body can respond in a way that's familiar and there's more space for you to play with things like scales or language. So I really grounded it in Ethiopian rhythms. The result is so much more than Ethiopian rhythms plus American music. This thing of hybridizing sound, it's not easy, but it has to come from you. Like whatever your contribution is has to come from you musically. It has to come from your life. contribution comes from interacting with friends like Zeyna Carlota and the other musicians at the Red Poppy. Hader and Carlota have both found a cultural home in the Bay Area, where they draw on African culture and the sounds and struggles of so many other diverse communities in the region. Resisting stereotypes of what Black women's art should be about and sound like, 
the music is speaking to audiences everywhere. This Afropop close-up was made possible by a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities. But to keep the series going, we need your support. Visit afropop.org and make a donation. Every dollar counts. For Afropop Worldwide, I'm Lisa Bartfine. This was made here.